If you're anything like most of the women I work with, then you are likely operating from a story about money that doesn't serve you. You likely worry about money and feel that there isn't enough to go around. You might say things like, money doesn't grow on trees, or the billionaires hoard all of the wealth. Now, I'm not under the delusion that money literally grows on trees. Rather, I'm pointing out that this is a metaphor to describe the belief that money is not abundant like trees. But if you've been a devoted listener to this podcast for a while, then you know that the universe is made of energy. Everything is energy. And energetics are what I am here to talk about. What if you accepted that, like everything else, money too is energy? And what if it's not a matter of how much you can work to earn it, but rather, what is the energetic language you can speak to attract more money to you? If your money could talk to you, what would it say? Would it tell you it feels appreciated? Or would it tell you it feels neglected? Would it tell you it feels welcome? Or that you repel it? In this episode, we are going to explore your money story, how this creates a blueprint for how you manifest your money, and a special announcement for an upcoming free masterclass that you are not going to want to miss. If you are currently dissatisfied with your financial well-being, I invite you to visit the story that you have surrounding money and consider how you talk to money. Money talks. It's a matter of speaking its language and changing the way you feel about it if you want to manifest more of it with confidence. You are listening to the Confidently You podcast. Welcome to the Confidently You podcast. My name is Amber, and I'm a communication and embodiment coach with a purpose to help you start reclaiming your truth with confidence. I'm obsessed with helping you transform your life by pushing the boundaries of what is possible by exploring the edge of your consciousness. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to master your energy, how to manifest with it, and choose adventure amidst life's challenges while overcoming unconscious self-sabotage. I'm here to tell you that confidence is not something that you earn, rather something that you can learn. And with confidence, you can communicate anything into existence that your soul is destined for. So if you love personal development, spirituality, manifestation, and shit that blows your mind, then you are exactly where you are meant to be. I already know we're going to evolve to a whole other level together. So without further ado, let's take the next step on your journey of becoming confidently you. Hello, Confident Soul. Welcome back to another episode of the Confidently You podcast. My name is Amber, and I am your host on your confidence building journey. Ooh, I am so honored, so humbled, and really excited to be recording this episode. This is yet another episode that is going out by special request. Um, you wanted to hear me talk about money. And that is what I am humbled about, honestly. I feel very humbled to be sitting here. It's late in my office. I'm in my late luteal phase, soon to be bleeding, and getting this extra kick of testosterone energy that is telling me to get a few things done. And this was on the list, and I felt drawn to it. And I thought, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to start talking about money. I've... It was a few weeks ago that I had this request to talk a little bit more about money and I've been sitting on the invitation just waiting for the inspiration to find me and it finally found me today. I was hit with an idea and so here I am about to share my money story with you because today we are talking about how how you have a blueprint for how you manifest money and your money story makes up probably about half of that. 
the other half being your energetic disposition. So when it comes to your menstrual cycle and human design, that's one half of the equation and part of your abundance blueprint. But your money story is the other half. Because um, this is it's through your story in which you perceive your reality. It's through your story gives you the blueprint in which you perceive your reality and therefore manifest certain things into your reality. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to share with you my biggest lessons that I've learned along the way of my money journey. But before we get into today's episode, I want to take a moment and very excitedly share with you. (laughs) Very excitedly, I... A project that I've been working on for quite some time now, several months, in fact, I have finally created my very first masterclass called Abundant by Design. Now, you may have heard me talk on the last episode about my new signature six-month coaching group coaching program that I'm going to be launching this month, uh, which is called Confident by Design. But I decided to launch this group coaching program with a free masterclass. So it's like the baby sister of Confident by Design. So I am now introducing to you Abundant by Design. It is important to me that I continue providing accessible information for all walks of life. So if you are not yet prepared to make the investment in yourself in Um, by enrolling in Confident by Design, or if you're just uncertain and not sure if it's right for you, then I invite you to enroll and participate, uh, or register rather, for Abundant by Design. And Abundant by Design is a two-day live masterclass that is going to be taking place September 25th and 26th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. It'll be hosted over Zoom. So you do have to register for it to get the link. It's totally free. And we are going to rewrite your money story. We are going to alter your abundance blueprint so that you can manifest more money with ease, with confidence, with clarity, and little resistance, and no burnout, right? We live in this hustle hustle culture in this very fast-paced world, but hustle is not necessarily how you manifest more money. And I want to show you what your superpowers are so that you can attract the abundance that you are inherently worthy of. Now, it's going to take some, some dedication. It's going to take some commitment and it's going to take a beginner's mindset meaning forgetting what you think you know about money and be willing to be open-minded and hear what money has to say to you so that you can start communicating with money better and improve your relationship with money so that you can have more of it. I truly believe, so I created this program, this masterclass. I created this masterclass because I know that we need more good people in this world doing things with money. We need more good people to have money so that they can do good things with money. Because I know that money is a neutral resource and that when you put money in the hands of a good person, that good person is going to do good things with money. Likewise, when you put money in the hands of a not-so-good person, then they're likely going to do not-so-good things with money. And that's something that we're going to talk a little bit more about later. But if you want to register for Abundant by Design, I totally invite you to click the link in the show notes. It's a bit of a funky link, so um, I'm not going to like talk it out to you (laughs) or spell it out for you. So I just invite you to click the link. Um, You can also find this link on my Instagram page if for whatever reason you are not listening to this on a platform that allows you to see show notes. uh, The link will be on my Instagram bio so you can find it there. 
but you are going to want to register by midnight, uh, September 24th, Central Standard Time, 2021, so that you can get get in for Abundant by Design. And there will be, if you can't make the live masterclass, then you will have access to the recordings. We'll do our best to upload those recordings um, as soon as possible after each of the days so that you can catch up. And then after we complete Abundant by Design, Confident by Design will be open for enrollment a few days afterwards to give you some space to go through the material and to leave some space for our emotional authorities to decide whether or not this program is right for them, uh, the group coaching program that is. Um, and in case you have any questions or need some time to catch up on the homework and all of the juiciness that's going to be part of Abundant by Design before you decide if Confident Design is the right fit for you. I will also be doing 15-minute confidence calls after the masterclass to help offer some guidance, um, no pressure sort of chat, you know, just hosting a 15-minute confidence call to get to know each other better and see if honestly if we are a good fit for each other. Um, I really believe that we will find alignment if we're if we are a good fit for each other based on whether or not our energies work together or not. So I am excited to connect with you. But anyways, enough about uh, abundant by design and confident by design. Even though I'm super jazzed about them, and I really hope that I see you there. <laughs> but let's talk about money. Let's talk about money, baby. (laughs) Money. Okay. So I'm going to share with you my money story. Now I have shared a few details, you know, over this past several podcasts about my story, my, my journey, um, my confidence building journey, building journey, um, finding, the path of alignment, finding myself, finding myself back to myself, if that makes sense. I've talked a lot about that on the podcast, but today I'm specifically going to talk about my money story. And I've talked, you know, I've given tidbits here and there, but I'm really going to dive deep into my money story, hopefully draw some parallels that maybe you'll, you'll see some parallels in your life about how you've experienced that too. But really to give you some confidence to show you like what is really possible that you know we can we can go from being you know $75,000 in consumer debt like I was to now thriving and being prosperous and abundant in life like I am now that is what this podcast is all about I want to share with you you know no matter how low things can get in life they can always turn up they can always turn around So let's step inside the childhood of Amber. Let's go visit her for a little bit and see how her money story developed starting in childhood. So there are a few key points about money that I learned when I was a child. And some of them might sound familiar to you. So I learned as a child that money causes conflict. I learned that you should feel shame for having things and likewise feel embarrassment for not having things. I learned that when you, you should spend money when you have it because you don't know when you're going to have it again. I learned that money is limited and not enough to go around and one person's abundance takes away from others. I learned that you have to work really hard to earn a lot of money. And lastly, I learned that money is a big responsibility and it's scary to have lots of it because more because there, that means that there is more responsibility. Ultimately, this left me with a very confusing money blueprint because I saw two very different perspectives about money when I was growing up from my parents. So I'm mostly just going to focus on what I learned from my parents because they had the greatest influence on me when I was growing up, but there were definitely like other people in society and other people in my family that definitely influenced my money blueprint as well. But for the most part, my money blueprint came from my parents. 
So my mom and dad had two very different perspectives about money and they still do. They're not together anymore. They were together for about 10 years and um, money is one of the reasons why they broke up. They had two different two different perspectives about money and that caused tremendous conflict in their relationship and I somehow attached money to the reason why there was conflict so that left me with this feeling that money causes conflict so my mom always worried about money she always worried tremendously about money it was not uncommon for me to find my mom in her room bawling her eyes out sitting around her chump change with her budget sticking out and just worried about money. That always happened. I always found her, always found her crying about money. I also cannot remember a time in my childhood when my mom worked less than two jobs. My entire life when I was, from when I was very young to until I was a teenager, my mom always worked a minimum of two jobs, sometimes even four, up to four jobs she worked. So my mom busted her ass, worked really hard to earn the money she had. Now, my mom also spent money when she had it. My mom was very insecure and she bought things to cover up her insecurities and to fill voids because my mom was very unhappy. Um, She was not in in a happy or fulfilling relationship with my dad. And again, you know, the conflicts that were going on in between them, she was buying things to fill these voids and often was buying those things with credit. I, I often remember my mom, you know, uh, getting a new, a new a credit raise on her credit card. The bank offered her a credit increase. And so she'd take me shopping and we'd go buy a bunch of things even though we couldn't afford it. And even though she had other debts that she could have paid instead, but instead she used up that empty space on her credit card and filled it up. So she bought things to cover up her insecurities and she eventually went bankrupt. After my, after my parents broke up, my mom eventually filed for bankruptcy. So this was like a vicious cycle that my mom found herself in. So she would initially feel guilty because she knew that she had these debts and financial responsibilities to take care for, or to care for, to pay for. And then she would feel guilty and that feeling of guilt would then trigger her to want to buy more things to fill that void, uh, to cover up that insecurity from that guilt that she was feeling. So she'd go out and buy more things and then she would feel guilty again for then going and buying more things and being irresponsible with her money, feel guilt, and then she would go buy more things. So this would be the vicious cycle that she found herself in. And I learned this cycle as well. I learned that from her. And we'll talk about that in a minute, how that affected me as an adult. And the last thing that I really took on from my mom was the negative mindset about money. It's mostly from her, but definitely society, definitely pretty much every single person on my my mom's side of the family all have a negative mindset and negative and unhealthy relationship with money. And I would hear phrases like, that's expensive. We can't afford that. That's too much money. That or that costs too much money. That's outside of our price range. Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, hearing all of this language, this negative language that doesn't align with abundance, it aligns with scarcity. Those are the types of things that I heard all the time. And I still do. I despite what I try to help my mom with, she still says these things all the time. And I still hear every person on my mom's side of the family talking like this. Not so much my dad. My dad doesn't talk about it as really at all. And I don't, for the most part, really hear this type of language on his side of the family. But so I mostly heard it from my mom. And the two that really stuck out to me the most is that's expensive and we can't afford that. Those are the two things that really struck me the most. And even now, as I'm still continuing to heal my relationship with money and work on my money story, I've actually had to ask Jeremy, my partner, to stop saying those things. 
I ask him because, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody else to do that, but because he's my partner and because he has a direct influence on me, it's really hard for me to hear him say those things because Jeremy has a very different interpretation of what those things mean. I mean, yeah, I can't afford that. Sure. That's pretty obvious that that's negative, but to him, to say that something is expensive, to him, that doesn't have a negative connotation for that. To him, that just means that, oh, if something's more expensive, that just means that it costs more versus something else. To him, it's no big deal. But for me, when I hear that something is expensive, to me, that means that it's out of reach. It means it's unattainable. It means that I can't have it. And I never want to believe that I can't have something. If I can't have something, that means that it wasn't meant for me. And that means that I'm meant to have something else instead. So it's never a this or this. For me, it's always a this and this. I just might not know what the other thing is. I might not know what the and is. I want to have a limitless reality that I can have whatever I want, but of course it has to be meant for me. It has to be destined for me. And if I can't have something, then that just means it's not destined for me and that maybe I'm supposed to have something else and I need to be open to receiving something else. So for me, hearing the phrase expensive and um, I can't afford that, those are extremely limiting for me and they also trigger me. They trigger me to feel scarcity about something. And when you're really working hard on rewiring your money mindset and abundance blueprint, Those are counterproductive things for me to hear those things and especially to hear them from my partner. So that's something that we've been working on together and that he's been helping me with. And that's something that I took on from my mom and mostly my mom's side of the family. I just realized I also want to be very clear that I do not blame my parents for my money story. Parents do the best that they can with the tools that they have, right? I am not blaming my parents. It is not their fault that I adopted this money blueprint and this money story, I am the one that is responsible for taking this on and allowing it to be my reality. I'm simply telling you where it came from. So I just want to be really clear about that. So then my dad, on the other hand, uh, he had a very different mindset when it came to money. My dad mostly just worked one job. He was a roofer. Uh, and he worked a lot, worked a lot. My dad is definitely like a workaholic. He tells me that he's never going to retire. He's going to work until the day he dies. Um, so my dad, he made good money, made really good money, excellent money, but he managed it very poorly. He always had money to go out and do what he wanted. Always. He would always have money to go out to go drinking with his friends, to go on trips, to do exciting things. And don't get me wrong, like that's great. Um, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily think that people need to, you know, have a fancy car and a house and necessarily have these lavish, lavish things to show for it from the money that they spent. That's not necessarily what I believe. But, but he, um, he would spend it out on these life experiences, but then he wouldn't have enough money to pay his bills. So despite having all this money coming in, he would still not be able to pay all his bills. So in other words, my dad was very irresponsible with money. Now, when you combine (laughs) these two behaviors, so my mom being super worried about money and never always worried that there wasn't going to be enough money coming in, and my dad, on the other hand, with the attitude of like, oh, if there isn't enough money coming in, oh, I'll just work some more and we'll get some more money, you know, like the nonchalant sort of attitude. And these did not mesh very well together. And this is what caused the conflict is because my, on one hand, my mom was super worried about money. And on the other hand, my dad wasn't worried enough, so to speak, in my mom's perspective. He didn't worry about money enough. He was just nonchalant about it. And so, yeah, that was created this severe conflict between, between my parents and it also affected me because my, like on one hand, I knew that if I wanted something that I could go to my dad because he'd always just pay for the things that I wanted. But then my mom would get upset with my dad for buying these things, being irresponsible with money when they should have been paying their bills instead. And I, 
So I was subject to this conflict and this fighting between them. And there are other things that also were byproducts and evidence that this was going on. So for example, between the ages of, I want to say like eight and 12, eight and 12 ish, every single day, every hour, every working hour of the day, sometimes even past that, there would be creditors calling our house asking for my parents to talk to my parents. And initially, you know, when this first began to happen, um, you know, I'd be taking messages knowing like, hey, ask your mom to call this credit card company when she gets home. Or, you know, I'd be looking for ways to tell these creditors that my parents weren't home. I'd be lying on behalf of them, even though they were right there. My parents would get me to answer my phone and tell them to call back. And then eventually we just stopped answering the phone. There was so often, multiple times a day, you know, we're getting these 1-800 numbers calling our house and we just didn't answer the phone. And they just relentlessly called and called and called. And this was something that I lived with as a child all the time, this harassment from these creditors, like, don't get me wrong, obviously my parents owed me money and they should have owed their money, uh, should have paid them their money, but this left with me being this little girl, recognizing, okay, something's not right in our financial situation. You know, I'm taking care of, my needs are met, but on the other hand, like, my parents are always fighting about money. You know, sometimes our rent doesn't get paid and our landlord shows up to our house wondering, like, why hasn't our rent been paid? And why do these creditors keep calling my house? So this was very conflicting for me because had my parents been more financially responsible, I probably wouldn't have had as many things. Um, You know, I wouldn't have had the nice clothes Um, I wouldn't have had, you know, a computer and blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't have had these things. Um, but I would have learned about money very differently and all of this conflict wouldn't have been going on. And a lot of this stemmed from, well, insecurities of my mom and the nonchalant attitude that my dad had and that really odd combination and how that impacted me. And so eventually... Now we have me, Amber is a young adult. I went into adulthood, you know, beginning to care for myself. And actually, even before I was an adult, um, throughout high school, I worked I worked a lot. I went to school full time and I was a good student. I wasn't an excellent student, but I was a good student. I was definitely an B plus student. Um, but I still worked like 20 hours a week at part-time jobs. That's a lot to take on. Especially as a senior in high school, that's when I worked the most. That's when you have the most amount of homework and the biggest workload. And I worked 20 hours a week. And that was a lot. And so when I became an adult, I continued this blueprint. I continued to follow this blueprint that I was shown by my parents. But it was like a weird blend of their two blueprints. So some of those things that I carried on I worked my ass off and my mom is a generator by human design. So she has that ability to work her ass off. I don't. (laughs) I'm a projector by human design, but I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I thought you were supposed to work your ass off. And I watched my dad work his ass off. Like there would literally be days when my dad would work probably 16 hours and think nothing of it. That's just what he did. I don't know my dad's human design, but I'm suspecting he's either a generator or a manigen because of his ability to work so much and not be burnt out. Um, But yeah, I learned that from them, but I'm not like them. I don't, I'm not designed to work my ass off and technically neither are they, Um, but nobody is designed to work their ass off, but that's what I did. I carried on this strong work ethic attitude because I learned from a young age that if you want money, that you got to work for it. And there was that strong correlation, you know, when my dad decided we need more money, Kate, I'm going to work more. I'll I'll just, it was that simple. I'll just go work more and we'll get more money, right? So more about the blueprint. I worried about paying my bills and I worried where money would come from. I got that from my mom. So as an adult, 
I'd sit down, you know, the few times a month to review my finances and I would always worry about how I'm going to pay my bills. I'd look at all the money that had to, that had to come out of my account that month and I think, how the heck am I going to pay for all of this? And so I'd worry where money would come from. Yet, contradictingly, I always knew I could somehow get more money if I just worked more and traded more time for money. And this is how I, I eventually found myself working 70 hours a week, like my dad. I busted my ass. So I got this attitude from my dad. I got the worrisome and the fear from my mom, but then had the faith and the knowing that I would somehow get the money if I just worked more. I got that from my dad. So anytime that I wanted something, that meant that I needed to work more hours. And I was willing to do that because I had a strong work ethic. And back then, I didn't notice like I didn't notice my projector energy as much because I was just constantly working and I didn't quite feel as burnt out when I was younger because when you're young your energy is is usually high usually well at least for me it was so I had this strong work ethic and I just continued to trade more time for money I would pick up extra hours at the car dealership that I was working at I was super willing to work overtime I would do my best to push sales on customers I worked in the service department so I'd like push repairs and maintenance and I got really good at that Um, And I also worked as server in a bar and restaurant at one point. And I just worked more. I just took up more hours and worked as much as I could so I could pay for these things that I wanted. Back then, I didn't know how to manifest more money. I knew about manifestation. Like I had kind of heard about it, law of attraction. You know, I had watched The Secret and whatnot, but I did not have a comprehensive understanding about it. Uh, I mostly thought it was, you know, having positive thoughts. I didn't know that there was an individualistic science behind it and how each person has their own blueprint of how to manifest money. So I, and and, and this was also correlating to the time when I was um, at my lowest mental health wise, when I was working that 70 hours a week, that is also when I was at my lowest point Um, in my mental health journey. This is when I was really struggling with my disordered eating and I was struggling with alcoholism. So I was filling voids um, with food and alcohol and, you know, feeling very unsafe in my body, you know, feeling anxiety, feeling severe depression, um, losing the will to live. And I would use finances to as a crutch so I would just go buy myself things or I would buy alcohol or I would buy the foods that were horrible for me and then go throw them up right so I was buying things and using money to fill void and emptiness inside me which I learned from my mom learned that from her but not her fault right like I'm responsible for that it's just something that I learned and I chose to uh, unconsciously or not, I chose to take that on. And so I bought things to fill these voids and emptiness inside of me. And I knew how to budget, which I got from my mom. I learned how to create a budget because my mom was a good budgeter. But on the other hand, I didn't follow it because <laughs> I got that from my dad. So that weird combination like, yeah, I know how to put a budget together, but to follow it, that was a whole different story. So this put me in a really weird cycle of buying things because I knew I would eventually be able to pay for them. Then I would feel guilty for spending all this money knowing I owe a bunch of money. So I would then go and seek out extra work to pay for those things that I had just foolishly spent my money on. But then I would end up buying more things to reward myself for working so hard. And then feel guilty about it, spend the money, work even more, and then buy more things. And I just created this horrible cycle and that had me super burnt out. And I mean, oof, how do you work more than 70 hours a week? <laughs> I had no free days. I had one day a week off. Sundays were my only day off. And I, Monday to Thursday, I'd work 10 hour days. Fridays, I would work 20 hour days because I would work two jobs on Fridays. And Saturdays, I'd work another 10 hours. And that's how I got my 70 hours in a week. And Sundays were my only day of rest. And that's when, you know, I had to go grocery shopping and, and whatnot. So I was like not resting. And I, I was working 
my ass off. And eventually I found myself, you know, going through this cycle, I found myself with a $270,000 mortgage, a $70,000 car loan, a $20,000 credit card that I debt, $13,000 in student loans, and then other like various small miscellaneous debts. I was overwhelmed to the brim, to say the least. And I eventually, I even considered filing for bankruptcy, you know, following that blueprint that my mom did, you know, looking for a bailout, you know, but I knew that that wasn't the answer. I was so ready to give up because I was working so much and I thought like, I just can't do this anymore, but I have to work because I have all this debt to pay for and to support this lifestyle that I've been living. I was so ready to give up, but then something shifted in me. About two years ago, I wasn't able to pay my mortgage on the day it was scheduled to come out. My mortgage came out on the 15th. The morning of the 15th, I didn't have the money to pay my mortgage. I was a wreck that day. I was I was so worried, so anxiety-ridden. It was horrible. And my friend at the time, um, we'll call her Karen. Say her name is Karen. That's not her name, but we're going to call her Karen for this story. Karen at the time happened to call me And I was a wreck when she called me, you know, she got me to tell her about what was going on, told her like, I I can't pay my mortgage, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was like, girl, you got to get your fucking shit together. I mean, those weren't her words exactly, but that's basically what she said. Get your shit together. Your money mindset is all over the place and you need to get your shit together. You need to take responsibility for this. And then she said, I'm going to lend you the money. I'm going to give you the money that you need for your mortgage and you will pay it back to me. You know, no time limitation. You pay me back when you can, but you need to turn your shit around. And she gave me the kick in the ass that I really needed. And I really admired her for her, for her financial independence and the capability that she had to just say, here, here's $1,500. You pay your mortgage. You pay me back when you can. I don't need this money right away. So it was just like that. I was like, wow, really? Like, you're just going to give me money? Like, that was crazy. And seeing that in her, I really admired her ability to do that. And I was like, okay, I really need to make some changes. And change happened slowly for me. Okay, so it wasn't just like, all of a sudden I started manifesting money. That isn't how it worked. And this change wasn't all about money either. Because you'll notice that, you know, your money mindset and your relationship with money actually isn't all about money. And a lot of it has to do with yourself. And so I found myself on this spiritual journey that started with reshaping my mindset and updating my unconscious programming and letting go of what no longer served me. I started this journey with stopping, I stopped worrying about money. I worked very hard on simply believing that I would always be taken care of and Frankly, actually, up until that point, I always had been taken care of. Even on the day, the day of that I couldn't pay my mortgage, I somehow managed to get the money to pay it because my friend lent it to me, because Karen lent it to me. So I was still, even though it was the day of, and I thought, well, fuck, my mortgage is going to bounce and I'm going to get charged an insufficient fund fee by my bank and it's just going to keep on happening until I can pay it. But somehow... I happened to have a phone call conversation with a person with my friend Karen that day and she lent me the money. I have always been taken care of. Always. I have always been able to pay my bills. Yes, I busted my ass, busted my ass to pay my bills, but they were always paid. I always found the money. So I just instilled that feeling, okay, Amber, you've always been taken care of. You've always been able to pay your bills. Why the fuck are you so worried about paying your bills? So I stopped worrying about money. And instead, I put more focus on my money that was coming in instead of focusing on the money that was coming out. I began studying energy. 
and I began releasing negative energy from my life that no longer served me. And this was actually including the friend that lent me the money. I mean, this friend, she's a wonderful human, um, but she was actually an energy leak for me. We were just not a good match. I love her, but my my uh, love for her needs to happen from a distance. That is how I can best love her is when we are distant from each other. So I had to let that go. And that was really hard because this was a very prevalent friendship in my life, but it was actually causing a lot of negativity in my life. And so letting her go, that op- that freed up so much energy and increased my energetic capacity that amazing things started to happen for me. And after about a year of strictly just working on, you know, not worrying about money, focusing on the money that's coming in, after about a year, I discovered the real science of manifestation and spiritual laws. I started manifesting money left, right, and center, like thousands at a time, money that I was not expecting to come in. It was landing in my bank account in magical ways. And when I say I, I do mean my partner and I together because we share our finances. So anytime I say I started manifesting money, I mean my partner as well because he has been on this journey with me as well. He's never had the negative mindset about money, but he's certainly open to learning about how to manifest more of it. So we both manifest this money together. So when I say I, I mean we. So I started manifesting more money left, right, and center, and like thousands at a time. Not always thousands. Sometimes it was like $10, $5, $2, $100, $500, randomly. All of this money that did not come from work, how I had been programmed to think that money came from, but randomly money would show up. My debts started to go down. I was starting to feel a sense of hope. Okay, progress is being made here all right, I'm doing something right. Let's keep going. And eventually I started investing in myself and I started my own business. I I invested in myself. I invested in my mindset. So I invested in coaching programs to help me build that mindset and create that safe container for me for to have to experience that transformation that I needed to have the identity shift that's required in order to accumulate and maintain wealth. And I, and, I, and I started my own business. I started investing in my business. And another big thing that I started doing, and this is going to sound so counterintuitive, I started giving away 10% of my income. And when you don't, when you seemingly don't have enough money to pay your bills, giving away 10% of your money sounds like really fucking bizarre. Like, why would you do that? But I, I was, I was during this time, I was reading and learning from abundant, wealthy, prosperous people, and all of them had one thing in common. They all gave away 10% of their income. And a hard question I had to ask myself was, Amber, you've been telling yourself that, you know, once you're a millionaire, that's when you'll start giving away to charity, right? That's when you can afford to do that. But I had to ask myself, what is the difference between giving away $100,000 when you have a million versus giving away $10 when you have a hundred. There isn't. There isn't a difference. They're both 10% of your income. So, and, and giving away money is something that you have to practice. It's not just something that, you know, we all of a sudden start doing because we are all so programmed to believe that money is limited. And so therefore we hoard it thinking, okay, I've only got $100 right now and I've got some bills coming up. But money needs to flow. And when you start giving money away, you become a conduit that money is attracted to. So when you give money away, you will inevitably receive that money back. And it's going to show up to you in the most unexpected ways. So these are things that I started doing. And here I am now talking to you, my beautiful, confident soul about money. Am I a millionaire? Technically, no, but in my mind, I am. I have a millionaire mindset and I know that it's only a matter of time before this manifests for me in my physical reality. I now have a $230,000 mortgage total instead of two seventy. dollars That car loan that was $70,000 is now down to seventeen, dollars And I still have a few other consumer debts, 
But that's a big change in, you know, a couple of years. And now my partner and I, we make the most amount of money we've ever made, including uh, five figures per month sometimes. I recognize that on paper, it's not like this huge miracle happened overnight. It's a process. But let me tell you, my internal reality is 180 degrees different from two years ago. The, the amber from two years ago and the amber today, they're, they're completely different. I never, ever, ever worry about money anymore because that only manifests more worry and scarcity. I now give my money away without second thought. I now invest major amounts of money in my mindset, in my business. I've invested about $10,000 in the past year and a half or so in myself and in my business, which I could, I could put that towards debts instead because that would also be beneficial. But I know that this is, this is an investment that's going to pay off for me. I believe that when you invest in yourself, it's going to pay you back 30 times more. I now never hustle, ever. I even chose a part-time job um, while I'm growing my business that doesn't make me hustle. I have the mindset of the more I rest, the more I manifest. I now have dates with my money. I get sensual with my money and I, la- I allow it to feel welcome. I let money know that I am a conduit for its energy. And lastly, I started filling those voids that I felt within myself. I started filling them with self-love instead of material possessions. I started building my sense of worthiness, my sense of confidence, my sense of personal power. I really fed myself with so much self-love, so much love that no material possession could ever replace that. And remember those beliefs that I mentioned earlier that I had when I was a child? Well, after going through this work, and continuously still doing this work. It's a life, lifetime work, lifetime journey. After going through this work, this is what I have concluded to actually be true about money that counters what I used to believe and what my money story told me to believe. But I've chosen to, I've chosen other truths. And I now believe, and I know that money is a neutral resource. How I used to believe that, you know, that money caused conflict. And that whoever's, and, and that it like inevitably turned into something bad. It turned people bad because it caused conflict. But that's not true. Money is a neutral resource. And this is one of my driving factors about why I am want to help you so much with this. Is because money does not cause conflict. Money is, the use of money is determined by its holder. That means that when you have this new neutral resource, whoever the user is and whatever the intention that is being used behind the resource, that is the result you're going to experience. It's not money that turns people bad. It's that you money is going into the hands of someone that that is, well, I'm going to say bad, but or ill-intentioned, and then ill-intentioned things happen. And that good when when money is in the hands of good people, then that good person is going to do good things with money. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, then you are a good person and I want you to have more money. So I'm here sharing my money story with you so that you can know what's possible because I want that for you. I want you to have abundance. We need more good people in this world experiencing abundance in their 3D physical reality. Another thing I've learned is that money is attracted to high vibe frequencies. So I mentioned that earlier I felt a lot of shame about when I had certain things or embarrassment when I didn't. So I've learned that the more high vibe and welcoming and grateful um, grateful that you are for money, the more money is going to be attracted to you because money is only energy. It's energy. So when you have a high vibration of energy, more money is going to be attracted your way. I've also learned that money is an infinite resource and it always flows my way. I used to believe that money was limited 
and that my abundance would take away from someone else or vice versa. I don't believe this anymore. I know that money is an infinite resource. Literally every single day, new money is printed every day. And this is just the physical representation of money, right? Money is infinite. There isn't enough paper money in the world to represent how much money there actually is in the world. If every single person on the planet withdrew all of their money from their bank accounts today, there would not be enough physical paper money to to go around for everyone. That's because money's energetic. Money is not physical. We do have a physical representation of money, but it's a representation. It's not what it actually is. Money is infinite and it comes from anywhere. It can come through people and it can come through magical things that happen. <laughs> and I know that I sound like a floozy when I say that, but when I say that money magically happens, well, I'm talking about unexpected ways that you weren't expecting it to happen. Like, so ha- having a, a, a spontaneous phone call with that friend that ended up lending me the money that I, me- I, le- I needed. How, was, how else was I going to get that money? Right? So that landed in my lap and I was very fortunate that I had somebody to do that for me. There are countless examples that I can come up with that I've experienced in my life where I've randomly received money for something that I was not expecting. Like refunds. (laughs) Refunds that I didn't know that I was receiving because I was, you know, mistakenly overcharged for something. Or I'm getting an extra uh, child tax benefit from the government that I wasn't expecting. Oh, they just reduced the cost of my monthly cell phone payment by $20 all of a sudden. You know, like all of these random places... And again, like I could keep going, like there's so many, so many different avenues in which I receive money. So I know that it's infinite and I know that it always flows my way. I just have to be open to receiving it and feeling safe in receiving it. And that's another thing that I've learned. Um, You've probably heard me talk about a sense of cultivating safety in your body a few times on the podcast. Money is no different. Too many good people are feel unsafe in their bodies because that's where the unconscious is. Too many people feel unsafe in their bodies due to past trauma, just myself included. If you know the other parts of my story about my childhood trauma, there are there are lots of things that make us feel unsafe in the body. And the more unsafe that we feel in the body, um, the less likely we are going to attract money to come to us or the money that we do receive, we're not going to feel safe having it especially if it's far more than what we're used to. In particular, that's that's the case, is if we are not used to experiencing a high, uh, high volume of money coming our way, well, that requires an identity shift to have a high volume of money. And most of us don't feel safe doing that. The ego says, nope, that's scary. I've never been that type of person before. How do I get rid of this money? So you can look at the example of lottery winners when it comes to this. Lottery winners, you know, say middle-class person, for example, winning the lottery. Well, let's say they won a million dollars. Well, they've probably never seen money like that before. And it takes a certain amount of unconscious capacity to maintain that wealth and feel safe in that amount of unconscious capacity. And that requires some identity work to be done. But for a lottery winner, this happens so quickly and they receive this money, their ego goes, what the fuck? What's all this money? This is scary. I know that seems counterintuitive, but this is really what's happening. And then, and then they somehow find ways to spend all of this money and get rid of all of this money. And so many lottery winners end up going bankrupt. You've heard of this before. It's because that they didn't have the unconscious capacity and the identity to match what was required to maintain that kind of wealth. So that's another thing I've learned about money is you got to feel safe having money. Uh, Some more lessons. Money comes from the value you put into the world, which isn't necessarily work. It can come from work, and it certainly does come from work, but it also shows up in other magical ways. So be open to those other ways. As I said, I can even think of examples where I have worked hard for money and I haven't been compensated for it. 
I can think of a time, it was like my first job. I was like 12 years old. I was working as a part-time gymnastics coach. And for whatever reason, there was some miscommunication between me and the head coach who was in charge of paying people. Um, For whatever reason, I had worked all of these hours. Like I was a young kid and I was going to the gym every day. And I was teaching all of these young young kids classes. And I found out that I wasn't going to be paid for it. And so I was like, oh, so I just put in all of these hours and I'm not going to be paid for it. How is that fair? Well, that's a clear example to me that like, yes, money can come from work, but it doesn't always, even when you're expecting it to, right? So you you just got to start poking holes in your story and start finding, okay, is that really true? Is it really true that money comes from hard work? Or are there other ways that money comes? Okay? And these are things that we're going to talk about in Abundant by Design, the free masterclass I'm hosting. And now the last lesson that I learned is money is a response is a responsibility because I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that um, I feared the responsibility uh, of money uh, because having money as a responsibility, it gives you power. And power is another neutral resource. But it's not scary. It simply requires an identity shift, like I mentioned. So money and power, they go very hand in hand. They're both energies. They're both neutral resources. And, who, and they are influenced by whoever is holding, holding them. The holder of the power. The holder of the money. So good people, good things happen. Bad people, bad things happen, right? I mean, that's a very, like dichotomy way of thinking of things, but I think you get my point. (laughs) So yes, you do have a responsibility when you have money because it gives you power, but it's not scary. You just need to do the work. You need to cultivate that feeling of safety in your body. Expand your unconscious capacity. These are the things that I want to show you how to do. There are other amazing lessons that I have also learned about money But those are the biggest ones that came from my childhood that directly correlate with money. And out of everything, here is what I hope you take away from this episode. The story that you tell yourself has the power to either champion you or undermine your every move. The story you tell yourself about money is no different. I told myself for years that the more I work and exhaust myself, the more money I will earn. But I am proving otherwise now, as the more I rest, the more I manifest. Rewriting your money story is a journey, but a journey worth taking. Because money, because it's not just about money. It's about your entire abundance blueprint. It's about your self-worth. It's about your self-love. It's about having faith in your purpose. And this relationship you grow with yourself, um, the, the relationship that you grow with yourself will change your relationship with money. Mastering your energy and increasing your self-love capacity is the language that money speaks because money itself is energy. Master your energy, master your money, master your life. And when you register for Abundant by Design, we are going to talk all the things money and rewrite the different stories that you tell yourself about money. Let's choose a story that actually serves you. Let's choose a story that aligns with the life that you want to live. Let's choose a story that aligns with your purpose, a story that aligns with your, your abundance blueprint, that aligns with your personal power. And this is what we're going to do in Abundant by Design. So if you have any major breakthroughs or takeaways, first of all, I would absolutely love, love, love to hear them. I'd be so humbled if you either screenshotted this episode and tagged me in your Instagram story, leave a review that gives me the energy to keep going with this podcast and that supports me and it helps me share, share my message and my mission with more people. Or if you like, you can also reach out to me personally by either emailing amber at confidentlyyou.ca or you can also send me a DM on social media. 
But I am so excited to see you in Abundant by Design, the free masterclass that once again is going to take place on September 25th and 26th, two-day live masterclass at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yes, there will be recordings that you can go back to if you cannot make the live event. And the link to register for that is in the show notes. It's a bit of a wonky one. So you're going to want to click that. And if for whatever reason you're listening to this on a platform that you cannot click that link, then please visit my Instagram bio, click the link in my bio, and you will also find the link there. Mm. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode. And I look forward to connecting with you in the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I am truly honored that you have entrusted me to fill your cup with all the good stuff. If this episode blew your mind, please show me some love by downloading and subscribing. A small, simple action that helps me share my mission with more people. Did you have any major breakthroughs? I want to hear about them. By screenshotting this episode and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow me on Instagram at confidently.amber for daily confidence building tips and updates about my workshops, programs, and freebies. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude, and I look forward to connecting in the next episode. Mwah.